Support the Bartholomew Town Podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, I sit down with WPRO newsman Steve Clampkin. Steve Clampkin is a news personality on Providence-based legacy news talk radio station WPRO. A newsman's newsman on the journalistic side of the job and a highly entertaining and singular personality as a broadcaster, Clampkin can be heard on air most days as a reporter, anchor, and on Saturday mornings, a host. In an era of shifting media consumption habits and changes to the landscape and dynamics of the Rhode Island media market, Steve offered his perspective on a number of relevant topics, including the Boston Globe's foray into the ocean state and the future of radio. Not to mention, we dig into Steve's backstory in journalism, including when he was first bitten by the radio bug, and how he developed his signature tagline. Enjoy brand new episodes of the Bartholomew Town Podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Listen on your favorite app. Visit BartholomewTown.com or RIPodcast.com. It's where you'll find the dozens of conversations I've had with Rhode Island influencers like Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza, NBC10's R.J. Heim, former Attorney General Arlene Violet, Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea. It's all right there for you. Coming up on Saturday, June 8th, it's Bartholomew Town Live at PVD Fest featuring a live podcast and variety show of Rhode Island favorites. I'll be rolling out the lineup oh so very soon. Follow me on Twitter at Bill Bartholomew or follow the pod on Instagram at Bartholomew Town Podcast for the latest and greatest details. For complete festival information, visit pvdfest.com. Support for the Bartholomew Town Podcast comes from M. Durant Studio, Providence's finest choice for commercial photography. From headshots and portraits to high-quality candidates, check out their extensive portfolio at mdurantstudio.com. Give them a call today at 401-400-2328 or message book at mdurantstudio.com. All right, without further ado, let's take you to my conversation with the one and only Steve Clampkin. You know, it's a constant for us. Uh, I'm on the news side and really have very little to do with the talk side. I've always listened to radio, but never been a, you know, always been a talk listener, never a caller. You know, very seldom moved to call in and <laughs> express an opinion. And part of that comes from my uh, news background. I've always been a news guy. I've been in the business a long time. And, uh, you know... I don't really feel the need to express myself politically, uh, let others do that, and just go out and cover the news. Yeah, and you'd certainly, through your Twitter handle and other, you know, even Instagram or whatever it is, you kind of have a, a presence to me as a as an historian and someone who just understands radio and media. If someone passes away, you're the first person to bring this person to a lot of people's attention. Mm. You know, is that something you've been passionate about for a long time? At uh, at News Providence is the yep. Twitter handle, so look for the for me there. And also, what we do there gets passed over onto at WPRO on Twitter. And those are, you know, I, I look at uh, social media as you know I've really embraced it. I look at the Twitter as where the news stuff goes. Um, 
Facebook where the personal stuff goes and Instagram where the good-looking stuff goes. So <laughs> yeah. we have a strict division uh, – more not strict, but a you know, good division of uh, – of labor here, right? And do you really think about that when you make a post? Do you think? Oh that, yeah. Hey, well, this the first is- the first order of business is to get something out on Twitter, and then uh, you know while I'm out covering something, you know I've seen other reporters, younger, re- we'll call them younger reporters, you know, live tweet as they're covering a news conference or something, and I'm saying let's wait and see how things develop. Let's see what uh, you know what the, what it means. You know. Wh- Bring a little context uh, and think about this a little before we start tweeting out to the world. I agree with you. I started to see that this year when I was covering some of the debates, and then all of a sudden I found myself, all right, I better do that too. And then I'm, am I missing the the content? You know, but a debate is a different animal, you know? I mean, you, you go from topic to topic, and you want to cover that topic as it comes up. So if you've committed yourself to live tweeting something, you really got to stay with it and be prepared to... Uh, to roll with it, so to speak. I give you a lot of credit. You've really embraced all of this. I like your <laughs> podcast. I look at the wide variety of people that you've interviewed in a, just a short time. What is it, a year? Yeah, that just you've about. Been doing yep. it? So, uh, you know, credit to you. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate it. I know I met you for the first time at the Newport Folk Festival, and it was a collision of my worlds because yeah. I had just performed on the open mic stage, and I was wearing pink overalls. And all of a sudden, you walked up and asked, say, can I ask you a couple of questions? And I was like, wow, that's is that Clampkin's voice? Is this Clampkin? Holy yeah. Moses. Well, what was it, 2016, I think it was, or 15. I think it was my first time at the Folk Festival. I'd been yep. covering the Jazz Festival for a number of years. And I'm like, this is a different world. I, you know, I've got to get my bearings. But I heard, you know, you performed. And they said, he's from Newport. I said, He's my guy. I want to talk to the local performer and artist. And who knew that you had this great interest in radio? And uh, like you said, your worlds collided. Yeah. yeah, all of a sudden it's been kind of in that place ever since, Do one I way or another. Do I take credit for Bill Bartholomew's uh, explosion into the radio podcasting scene? Not exactly. But <laughs> you know, I like to think I, I helped uh, steer you in the right direction. No doubt about it. There's no question about that for, for real. Um, and that moment was really for me, that was a really powerful moment because I had become, in my time in New York, I, I had always loved radio going back, starting with 93.3 WSNE. Then I mm. grew up enough to listen to Pro FM, BRU, HJY, WEI. Finally made my way back in Rhode Island into to PRO. But in New York, I became obsessed with 1010 Wins, The Fan, 880. I listened for at least six, seven hours a day. Some of America's great radio stations are, are right here, first of all. But yes. in New York, I mean, it's the top of the industry right there. And you've got those great stations that uh, that I've listened to ever since I was a kid. Yep. So uh, you've got a little of everything. You've got the talk, the news, the music stations. It's all there for you. And uh, what a great uh, atmosphere to be in if you're a, a listener and a strong listener to, to radio. And, um, you know, everybody's doing a podcast these days, as yeah. you know. Um, you know, the, that's exploded. That's become a whole world, too. Yes, I'll Bounce one more compliment your way here at the front of it. Why not? Um, I really love your performance. I love your your news, your journalism, the fact that you can encapsulate a story. Um, one of my favorite things about you is I got to see you work at the Providence Water press conference where the mayor announced he wasn't going to sell the water. I got to watch you work asking questions, hard questions to the mayor. You know, So I love that side of what you do, but I also love – 
from my experience in New York listening to the radio that you've you've got such a distinct character, your sign off. There's no replacing Steve Clampkin. You can't Steve do Clampkin, it. WPRO News. Yeah. Um that just happened, you know. That's just I I don't know where it comes from. A lot of people say they appreciate that and recognize it and I I appreciate that they do, and uh, you know I think thank all of my listeners that yeah. uh, uh, compliment me on that. Um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not for everybody. Um, some people I rub the wrong way, but that's that's <laughs> that's uh, a given in this business. You you're not going to please everybody. Not everybody's going to love you, and you have to get over that. No, I, I got over it. <laughs> Let's get into your background. Where did it start? Where did you oh. begin? thinking that you were going to get into news and eventually radio? Well, the funny thing is I came at it sort of sideways. I went to Boston. Well, I worked on my high school newspaper in Connecticut and, uh, you know, had a feeling for news back then. And then I went to Boston University into thinking I'd become a photojournalist. And then Mm. uh, the bottom fell out uh, of the photo market uh, when Life magazine folded and Look magazine folded. And that really put a dent in the photo uh, world. And then uh, my cameras got stolen out of my dorm room. And I discovered uh, a campus radio station, WTBU at BU. Um, And that's uh, where I was bitten by the radio bug. I I just loved it and never really looked back. I, I was focused on radio from that time. I went off, and my first job in radio was in a station in uh, Rutland, Vermont, where I was a DJ for six months. And um, occasionally they would have need for a news guy, and I would fill in on that. And uh, I said, boy, this is for me. This is my world right here. I wanted to do news and wanted to be on the radio, and uh, I've never looked back. Radio stations in Fall River and New Bedford and um, Providence, and here we are uh, some years later. We won't say exactly how many, (laughs) but it's a lot of years later. Um, 20 years this year with WPRO, and I'm thankful for all of them. I work with some great, great people here. I mean, uh, there are any number of Radio Hall of Fame people walking the halls in my station. Uh, My colleague, Bill Haberman, is being inducted in a couple of weeks into the Rhode Island Radio Hall of Fame. Um, So it's it's a great honor uh, to work at what is a legacy radio station, we call it. Uh, the station is going on 90 years, something like 90 years old. Um, and so, you know, one of the original radio stations in the country. And uh, people rely on WPRO for, you know, we still do uh, snow cancellations on the air. We might be one of the last stations to do it. I call it, when we do it on the air, I call it channeling my inner salty. Yeah, You know, you do that no school Foster Gloucester thing and mm-hmm. uh, people relate to that. So, you know, it's we every year it rolls around. Do we keep doing it on the air or just drive people to the website like all the other stations do? And we still do it because it's our connection to our, our listeners. Got to keep it on the air. I, yeah. That's that's a that's a plea for me as a, as a fan <laughs> of, of what so, that br- resembles. You know, I, I kind of lean toward doing it yeah. as opposed to those who say, no, nah, let's give it up. Totally. The station that reaches the beaches. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's all that uh, goes back to Salty. Salty Brine, those who don't know, was a mainstay at WPRO from the 1940s to the 1990s, 53 years with WPRO. He was the morning man, and he was uh, the it guy. He was the the go-to guy, the guy everybody in Providence woke up to and uh, got their bearings in the morning. And, um, you know, I'm not the morning anchor. 
done that elsewhere, but we'll leave that to Bill Haberman. But, um, you know, you, you have to appreciate where you stand and where uh, people, uh, people come to you for your, their news and information. Yeah, the legacy. I'm, for me, Salty Brian was, well, one, the revival through Cardi's. That's one way that oh, yeah. he was inserted into my world. But he was on the week or the, the NBC 10 Sunrise with Coletta and Art Lake at, for, at some point announcing no school foster Gloucester. Was he? And I just, that's how, who is this guy? Why yeah. is he here? Why am I waking up? With this man. And, he had you know, his own TV crazy. show. I think it was on Channel 12. Salty uh, Shack. Back, yeah, back when it was WPRO-TV. Mm-hmm. What was the dog's name? Jeff. <laughs> so, But I never saw it because I didn't grow up here. I, as I said, I grew up in Connecticut. and uh, well, I don't know if I said that, but I grew up in Connecticut. And uh, we had our own morning men. Uh, and, and listening to the um, uh, radio in New York, which uh, came in very well. So... Uh, you know, I wasn't focused on Providence back then. Now it's it's going on twenty, well, twenty five years here in the market. It's wild. And so you were here for Plunderdome then. Uh, covered the trial absolutely. Yeah, that was three month long trial of uh, Buddy Cianci and uh, and others. Um, and that's the thing we seldom get a chance to do any longer is to cover long extended trials. And that's you know part of. You mentioned, uh, you know, watching how I work, uh, you know, asking questions on your feet and that sort of thing. Um, Covering a long trial in federal court is another another breed of cat. It's sort of an old school throwback because they don't allow microphones or cameras in the courtroom. So that's a, a bugaboo that we reporters have, which is I always joke that I like to bring my quill pen into the yeah. federal courthouse because they are definitely situated back in the 18th century. Uh, so you have to write a story that tells the sto- whole story. You can't let the, the newsmaker, this is what we do every day, is let the newsmaker tell the story. Uh, can't do that in federal courts. So you have to tell the story completely on your own. Hmm. Interesting. You have to adapt yeah, for exactly. that scenario. Exactly. What's the biggest change you've seen in the 20 years you've been in Providence? I mean, there's the obvious that there used to be two talk radio stations in town. Now there's one. There there used to be a zillion beat reporters at City Hall. Now there's maybe one per per every three outlets. Mm. What Other than that obvious stuff, what's the biggest change that you've felt or seen in, in your 20 years in Rhode Island media? Probably um, a little more of the uh... – and, and I, I think social media has a lot to do with this, a little more fracturing of the, um, of the audience. Um, people, I don't mean fracturing of the audience. I mean people going to different places to get their news. People used to count very strongly on the newspaper for their news, and that has really waned. Um, you know, and you see it as a consequence in the shrinking newsroom at the Providence Journal, for example, the consolidation of ownership is another thing. Um, most of the papers in the area are owned by this one company that, uh, or a handful of companies. And that's been the big change in my business in the radio uh, and TV business as well, that you have um, uh, far fewer outlets, uh, people going to social media more and more. That's probably the biggest change, I think. Um, yeah, I'd like to think people still come to us. If, if they're in the car, we've got them, you know, because that's what, you've, that's what uh, people count on when they're in the car is, um, is uh, 
radio. But, um, you know, people have a lot of different uh, ways to get their news these days. And not all of it accurate. And, uh, you know, you like to be the, the station or the news source that people can count on. So we have to be as consistent as possible and be as trustworthy as possible. What's your favorite story that you've covered over the years? Ooh, favorite story. There's a couple. Probably from a hard news standpoint, probably uh, Buddy Cianci's trial, because that really uh, that was just um, a cornucopia of characters <laughs> yeah. and uh, just all different testimony coming at you every day. There was something different from a hard news standpoint. One of the most interesting, weird, and fun things I ever covered. This goes back uh, close to twenty years, fifteen plus years. Um, Sean Daly, who was a former TV reporter, now retired with Channel 12, um, and I have, well, I give more credit to Sean about this. There was a story on the front page of the Fall River newspaper on a hot summer day about a couple who had encountered a sea serpent <laughs> crazy stuff, yeah. down in uh, <laughs> Portsmouth. Um, can't think of the name of the beach offhand, but yeah. it'll come to me. But um, so, you know... I figured I'd swing by there and, uh, you know, ask people, have you ever seen a sea serpent around here? It was the 1st of August, as I recalled. Um, I get there, and Sean has already found the couple. They lived in Fall River, brought them to the beach, and asked them to describe the sea serpent. And it was phenomenal. I just sort of tacked on to his, his initiative there, but uh, it made for a great story, very funny. It was so funny for, for because the couple, they were characters, um, and, and they came, just had this whole description of the, the giant head on the sea serpent the size <laughs> of a basketball, and he came up out of the water and went, ha! You can search it out on, uh, on, uh, on uh, it's, YouTube. It's on YouTube. I've it's seen on it. YouTube. It's spectacular. Um, and I, I think he called it uh, Mother Ocean or something. I, it was a great story. That it, it was such a slow news day that uh, it led the TV news for six minutes. It was something ridic- ridiculously unheard of in those days. I covered that. My colleague at the time, Laurie Johnson, who's gone on to other things, wound up with an alligator in Lincoln. Somebody found an alligator, uh, I don't know, stalking the streets or something. Uh, but I think I got the better of the two oh, crazy animals for a hot summer summer doldrums day kind of stories. That's classic. And, of course, now we have the turkey running around in the Johnston. The turkey, well, you know, I latched on to Brian Amaral about a month after he discovered the turkeys running around in uh, Johnston. I happened across the surviving turkey. Um, and the mayor there was still, and is still to this day, here it is months later, um, bedeviled by this turkey, <laughs> eluded capture for months and months. So, uh, you know, we haven't heard much about the turkeys lately. Yeah, look out. Anytime you can do uh, animal stories, people respond. I had a story last week where people came from a physician's group in Washington, D.C. to complain about the use of animals in... Um, residency training at Rhode Island Hospital and Brown University. And yesterday, my uh, social media director said this was one of our most viewed stories of the last few weeks, was a huge response to that. So anytime you do an animal story, it's one, it, it has an appeal to listeners and so forth. Two, uh, it sticks with you. You remember those kind of yeah, stories. Absolutely. So when you file a story, there's a there's a, a social media director that keeps track of 
the amount of clicks it gets or the amount the amount he of does, streams it gets. I, on. I can look at that, but I seldom do. I don't think about it. But he he, he compiles a list and so forth and and keeps track of that. I don't ordinarily look, but um, this was it was like fifteen thousand views and eighty uh, shares. You know, people sharing it and that sort of thing. That's kind of off the charts for us. On the other hand, I was covering a sort of run-of-the-mill news conference about a month ago, and I'm standing next to Mario Hilario from Channel 10. He's putting this out on live on Facebook, and I'm like, we're standing right next to each other. So I lean over and I see he's got like a hundred viewers, and I've never done a live. I do some Facebook live for, on the station's uh, Facebook at WPRO. I've never had a hundred people watching at the same time, so it's a it's a matter of scale, I guess. You know, more people are keyed to viewing something that Channel Ten produces as opposed to something that uh, I produce. Right. Do you think it'll be significant? The Boston Globes move into Rhode Island, and do you think that will impact you in the sense that they may start to produce more digital content, not necessarily radio content, but more, you know, you'll see them there running Facebook Live and and filing digital reports? They may. I don't think that's their mandate, though. I don't think that'll be their uh, focus is their digital because the – you know, I think the the people they have attracted so far, there were three journalists who were very good in the market, solid, solid journalists, um, uh, I think are hired for their journalism and their journalistic skills, not necessarily for their social media skills, although uh, Dan McGowan was the first hire. He's always been, uh, you know, very high in um, Twitter, for example. Yeah, and He's Facebook a, with his and group. And Facebook, go-to guy. So... I don't think that's the purpose and the reason that they've done it. I think, you know, it's to largely bolster their, that's the Globe's, online um, subscriptions to uh, to the Globe, which is a great product, by the way. I mean, um, the Globe has always been the preeminent news source in New England and probably will continue to be. And I think we may see this kind of outreach. You know, in the Boston TV radio market, there's a great focus on New Hampshire because it's so close and it's so... So uh, allied with the Boston media market, uh, they really focus on New Hampshire more. So I th- this is sort of a natural outreach by the Globe, I think. Will it affect me and uh, our product? I, I don't think so necessarily, but, you know, I, I could be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we all will wait and see what, what they have mm-hmm. to offer us. Maybe more personalities coming on board as well. That's- that could – I would – you know, I think that's a likelihood uh, – you know, they've got three now, and, uh, you know, they have deep pockets. Let's put it this way. They do. You know, John Henry, who owns the Globe, is a pretty wealthy individual. He's yeah. not on the Jeff Bezos level, but he is a very wealthy man. He's a He made his name in commodities and in uh, um, uh, trading commodities and that sort of thing. So um, it wouldn't surprise me that he continues to, you know, spend a lot on keeping the Globe going. Rhode Island right now is, you know, it's kind of a monolithic political state. From your perspective in the media, how do you cover it? How do you cover state government when you have kind of a one-dimensional power structure? I don't think it's my job or, you know, any reporter's job to um, to lean one way or the other. I think we need to take things as they come. Um, when the Republicans have a news conference and talk about their program and their platform, we cover that as well. 
Um, the Democrats don't have to have a news conference to get their message across. They just introduce legislation. So, uh, and, you know, the governor is, you know, we, we had a long succession of Republican governors until uh, Gina Raimondo came on board. So, um, um, you know, you just take it as it comes, I think. I don't think it, it matters much to us, you know, what party um, is putting forth its uh, message. You just need to cover that message. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I, you know, as I said, I try to think of myself as a straight shooter. I don't have a particular political bent, and I, you know, like to keep it that way. Um, if you hear more about the Democrats, it's probably because there are more Democratic voices uh, talking and introducing legislation and talking about issues and so forth. Um, you know, we joke sometimes the Republicans can fit in a phone booth and, yeah. uh, you know, at least among those who are in the General Assembly, uh, there's no question that the Republicans are making inroads in in Rhode Island politics. But uh, it is a long, slow slog for them because, um, you know, you have to wonder, you know, what do they have to offer and is it is it resonating with the voters here? Um and if not, they probably have to ask themselves why. Do you have a favorite part of the day? I mean, every day is different for you. Obviously, Saturday morning you host your own show and uh, the Saturday morning news with Steve Klamkin. Or it's the other Steve Klamkin and the Saturday morning news. Right. Um, sometimes you're anchoring. Sometimes – a lot of times you're in the field. What's you know what what gets you the most excited? Oh, I like being out in the field far more than than in the anchor desk. But I you know I enjoy that too. I've done that for many years uh, anchoring, um, but I, I do enjoy the Saturday show. I don't have to do this, but I've been doing it ten years now, going on eleven, and um, it's it's a challenge. It's a great challenge. Um, it's as you point out, Saturday mornings from six to eight. I need seven guests uh, on every Saturday. And then um, we play the birthday game in one of my segments. So, uh, so I need seven guests, and it's finding those guests is a challenge. I used to focus more on politics because it was where I came from, what I knew. But now I'm focusing more on the arts, more on community events, and that sort of thing because um, you know we get enough politics during the week. I think um, you know I want to broaden things out and and do things that are different. I want my show to stand out by being different than what you'll hear the rest of the week. And I think uh, it succeeded in that respect. Get great feedback. So, um, and, and the people in the groups that come on are always appreciative because uh, they don't often get the chance to talk about what they're doing. Um, and talk to artists like you um, and others. I had a great guest this weekend, uh, Claudia uh, Lanier went into the Rhode Island uh, Music Hall of Rhode Fame. Rhode Music Hall yep. of Fame. I got to speak to her a couple of days beforehand, and that's uh, I, I love that talking to musicians and uh, artists, and uh, it, it's it's just opened up another world to me. I've been able to you know branch out and uh, see some of these performers and so forth. So it's uh, it's a two way street. That's something I love about your Instagram and your Facebook presence, as well as the music and arts component of mm. it, and that's something that seems just like an authentic passion of yours but when you we do have motif magazine the yeah. journal still do you feel like you've taken on one of the because to me you're one of the leading music voices in rhode island do you, not necessarily that you're critical i don't but feel, just that you bring attention to artists that's what i'm about i'm not 
I don't see myself as a critic. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's to shine a light on things that are happening and uh, musicians and uh, artists. And if I can do that, I I think I think there's an audience for that. I I think it's largely been an unmet need, certainly on the radio. Um, you can open up the listings in the paper, and as you mentioned, Motif and other uh, publications, and there's a lot of online uh, uh, focus. But you don't get that in a mass medium like radio too often. So, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's different. Uh, I'll keep doing it until they tell me to stop, I guess. <laughs> Live local talk, that's not going anywhere, right? That might even end up on, on a more high-profile signal in the future. Yeah, there's a lot of power in it still. And, you know, a lot of people question, is radio still uh, valid? Is it shrinking? Is it going away? I, you know... We see this chipping away. I don't see it going away. I think we're here to stay. I think uh, people rely on us and we'll we'll meet the needs. As always, thanks for joining in on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode. But you may find every episode at BartholomewTown.com, RIPodcast.com, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Bill Bartholomew. We'll talk soon.